Welcome to Sonic's Flight, the podcast devoted to all things Sonics. Sonic's Flight is a monthly podcast discussing current events, news, and topics of interest to the Sonics community. We aim to entertain and educate builders and pilots of Sonics aircraft designs, inspiring them to complete and operate their aircraft safely and efficiently. Welcome to the Sonics Flight Podcast. This is episode number 60, Flying the 1X. So the 1X is Sonics Aircraft's single place. Really, it's their sportster. It's roughly 80% the size of a Sonics. It offers more speed and even snappier handling, if you can, uh, if you can believe that. So 1Xs are, are popping up in the completions gallery faster and faster, and probably for good reason. Our guest owns both a Sonics and a 1X, and so he's particularly well suited to describe the similarities and the differences that the 1X shares with the rest of the Sonics fleet. My name is Jeff Schultz, builder and pilot of Sonic 604 and Sonic 1374. Joining me again are my two good flying buddies, Gary Motley and John Gillis. Gary is a longtime pilot, a former CFI and a multi-time airplane builder, and uh, and a prolific flyer. Gary, uh, tell us all about all the flying you've been doing lately. Well, it's been kind of slow. I only got four or five hours in this past weekend. So oh, perish the thought. I know. We've been having a lot of thunderstorms and afternoon rains every day, so it's really put a crimp in my flying time. I don't know if you actually got a chance. I actually posted some hangar flying in one of my recent uh, Facebook posts. We had a, a phenomenal amount of rain and hail and winds there at the airport. I happened to be in my little tin hangar, uh, just working on the Phoenix a little bit, and this stuff started coming down. And I took some videos outside through the door when we were trying to hold it open without it being blown out of our hands. But the, the noise inside that tin building with the hail was absolutely deafening. My buddy and I both had the same thought simultaneously. We crawled inside the plane and put our headsets on and closed the doors uh, just to keep from damaging our ears. It was just phenomenal. I, I placed a phone call to the tower because I figured they were pretty slow at the time and I asked them what kind of winds they were clocking. And they, they, they clocked about 50 miles an hour, which is about what I guessed, but it was just absolutely horrendous with that hail beating against the tin sides and roof. I did see your Facebook post, and that, that's exactly kind of the thought I had is, man, that must have been like being inside of a kettle, somebody banging on the outside. Yeah, it was miserable. We were holding our ears and everything, and then just dawned on us to get inside the plane and put the headset on. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you had the hangar. Yeah, all that hail uh, would not do your plane any justice there. No, it wouldn't have. Yep. All right. Good deal. And John Gillis. John is currently converting, and I should say almost done converting, his legacy YX to a new B-model YX. So, John, uh, what's the latest progress? Um, I have to say, though, the um, you know, I live in an air park. I spend a lot of my time in my own hangar. Uh, Gary is a wimp because I hear that, uh, that hail and rain in an uninsulated hangar almost every afternoon. And he just needs to suck it up, Cupcake. <laughs> I have a Bluetooth set of earphones that are the, of, uh, the safety headset that I'm listening to my podcast while I'm working on the plane. And I don't even notice it. I just notice a little bit of wind and, and a little water coming under the door. So he's... John, your, your psychological conditioning for your Antarctica excursion has prepared you with superhuman skills. Us mere mortals don't have those skills. 
You know, you have to be prepared. And I was a Boy Scout and my, uh, you know, I, I raised a son that was an Eagle Scout. I know how be prepared is. And so <laughs> I am. Uh, as far as the B model goes, I uh, made a lot of progress. Um, I'm at the point of 90, 90, 90% done, 90% to go. Um, the, uh, the windscreen has, has been installed. The canopy has been cut and installed. Wow, what a pain in the butt. Um, to get the fuel tank and the uh, glare screen in a Model B. It is no better than a, a Model A. Um, it is just a real pain in the butt. I've left a lot of DNA under and a lot of, you know, my wife learned a lot of new cuss words <laughs> as she was holding the nut or the bolts on the top while I tried to get the the nuts set on the bottom. Um, it, it, it is a... Uh, it, Definitely is a uh, I don't know a morally uh, strengthening <laughs> endeavor, but wow! So but it's done. So John, I guess if we're if we're, if you're walking around Air Venture or wherever, if you're walking around and somebody hears you muttering under your breath, "Son of a Sonics," you know exactly what you're referring to. Oh, I got lots of better words than that. <laughs> but uh, luckily, my uh, my daughter is no longer at the house, and so she won't repeat those to my wife. Uh, which she did in the first build. So uh, I, I got that going for me. All right. Well, good. So panel is next, I suppose, huh? Well, the panel is in. It's Clecoed in. Uh, the next step is uh, cowl. I'm going to start working the firewall forward now that I got the entire uh, aft section done. And then, you know, I want to get the, the engines mounted. The, uh, the cowl goes on. I get all that done. Start running the wiring back, get the wiring done, get, get all the controls in, and then I'm pretty much ready to put the wings back on. Uh, they've already been rigged, and then wrap them, and I'm ready for first flight or for next flight. I'm going to call it. Good, good, good. All right, well that's exciting stuff. Uh, keep the videos and the Facebook and whatever else updates coming. Well, our guest for this episode is Vincent Homer who currently owns 1X number 16. Uh, that plane was originally built by Merle Reppert in 2014. And Merle has built something like four or five different Sonics. Uh, of my count, at least two regular Sonics and two 1Xs, and maybe even more by now. Vince's 1X is powered by a Jabiru 3300, so it is literally a hot rod. And he has uh, several customizations designed to enhance its cross-country capabilities, Adding that as as uh, rounding out the capabilities on its uh, light maneuverable handling. So Vince, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. So first off, um, a Jabru powered one X. Now that's a pretty rare beast right there, and and uh, that's got to be pretty thrilling to fly something with that much power. Uh, yeah, I've never flown either a Sonex or one X with the with the standard uh, uh, V or something like that, because both of mine have the thirty three hundreds in them. I would have to say that particularly the uh, the Sonex with two people, I it would be I think it'd be a, bit, a little underpowered with with uh, 85 horsepower, but that's just speaking from having 110 available. Right, and it's always hard to give up the extra power and kind of step back into that world, but uh, yeah. So I, I just did a quick look on Sonex's completion gallery, and there are about 150 One Xs that are out there. Um, I could only find five that were listed as having the big Jabru engine. 
and uh, the remainder were a mixture of other stuff and about 100 Aero-V. So definitely Aero-V is the dominant engine on the 1X. So you're in a pretty rare company, but having a, a very powerful 1X there. Jeff, um, oh, what are you seeing as far as completions of the 1Xs? How many are flying total? Uh, that was a little harder to um, to go through. I um, I did not get a good sense uh, going through the completions gallery about would be about the only way I could I could do that now. But um, it looked like just this is this is just my impression. It looked like uh, a relatively high percentage of the ones that were in the database were indeed completed. So I don't know what that would be thirty to maybe fifty percent of them. Uh, already completed. It was it was pretty high, so I don't know. I'll have to go back and, and check that number out. Yeah, it'd be interesting because um, you know the one X is a little uh, is supposedly a little simpler because of all the match hole, and they don't have any of the uh, uh, scratch builders on it that they would be completing it at a greater rate than the Sonics. Right, and then I think with some of the quick build options that the one X has. Uh, it could be a pretty streamlined build. Well, there's still their fidgety parts that you got to deal with, but um, everything is a little bit smaller, and some of that stuff, like the pre-built spars and stuff like that, I would expect to increase the the effectiveness of the kit. So that's my thought. Well, anybody who builds a One uh, X with something other than an Aero V engine and has to build their own motor mount, and that for Merle that was quite a quite a, a feat. Because he made it, it was a tri gear, so it's a combination front gear mount and motor mount, and you have to fabricate your own because there's uh, it, at least at that time nobody was producing them. Yeah, well, um, let's let's get into that then. So Vince, um, let's do this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your your background coming up through aviation, and then tell us about how you got your Sonics, and then ultimately your One X, and then we'll dig into the specifics about your airplane itself. Well, uh, I have a degree in aeronautical engineering, which which makes me really dangerous. And um, at the time I graduated, I couldn't buy a job in aviation, so I worked mostly in the oil field. In 79, I got a pilot's license. I flew for a couple of years and then didn't fly for many, many years. And about nine years ago, got current again. Um, got current in a 150, and I bought a Sonex. The, uh, the transition was uh, was fairly it took a two or three hours or four hours or something like that. It's quite a different airplane, particularly to land. Uh, that was that was a big sort of a big challenge. When people ask me about taking 30 years off from flying, I tell them that it all came back immediately except for the last five feet. That took a while. <laughs> it's a good way of looking at it. And um, um, Vince, I think you had mentioned that both your Sonics and your 1X are tri-gear airplanes, and that's where all your Sonics experiences in tri-gear. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Okay. Well, um, yeah. So when did you pick up your first Sonics? I got the first Sonics about um, seven years ago. And I bought it from Merle. Uh, it, it, it has the 3300 in it. And he had it He had, had it for a few years. He hadn't really flown it very much. It only had about 50 hours on it when I bought it. And um, it was a basic steam gauge airplane. And still is. I haven't converted that much uh, to that. I did add a, a, a five-gallon tank to that one uh, because of the, the the range is a little short on them. But that's uh, about all I did to that particular airplane at the time. And I flew it a few times uh, around California, 
and then I flew it up here. I've flown it to Missoula and some places like that. Um, so I have done some cross countries in it. Mm -hmm. It handles really well. It actually does better at altitude than the one X has a bigger wing. It's not that much heavier. And it, uh, at 11,000 feet, it's still climbing really quite well. The one X is, is beginning to, to, to show the effects of altitude up that, that high. Uh huh. Okay. Well, I guess, um, maybe this would be a good point to, to try to right off the bat, let's, let's try to instill a, a good kind of gut level feel for, you know, what does a, does it, what does a one X feel like when you're flying it? Especially someone who maybe has flown a Sonics or is flying a Sonics now, but has never actually done a one X. Put that in perspective. You know, what would someone expect when jumping into a one X and going to fly in that airplane? Things happen a little faster. Uh, my Sonics is not terribly stable. I have a two axis autopilot in it. When you're going cross country, you really need it or you can't, it, it, it can't fold a map hardly. Uh, and in the one X I have a wing leveler and heading, but I don't have pitch. And so you fly pitch all the time. It, it does not like to trim and pitch, but control wise, Control inputs when you when you do when you put in in control inputs into a one X things happen a lot faster than they do in a in a Sonex. Now is that because the controls are more powerful or just because it's a lower mass airplane and it just is very responsive? I think it was just designed more to be aerobatic than the Sonex was, considering the fact that it's six it's a six G airplane all the way up to gross. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So, um, just very responsive and sporty then, I guess. Huh? Very much so, yeah. And do you fly any Acro in it? I do not. I I, I have not ever flown Acro, so I, I don't. I I do have a smoke system in it, but that's kind of a shame because I don't fly Acro. Yeah. Okay. I was just kind of curious, like, you know, how well it holds its energy when you're just maneuvering it around. Um, I, well, because I don't do acrolytes that I can't tell you in the extreme sort of a thing, but, uh, it, for instance, on landing, the flaps are really pretty small. They don't have a whole lot of effect on things. Um, except for a recent little event where I kind of dropped it in and, uh, but, uh, um, um, it lands similar to, to the, uh, uh, to the Sonics. Okay. And then I guess the last thing, which might help get people in the right frame of mind. So now that you've got some time flying your 1X and you can compare it to the Sonics, what do you think that the, the niche for the 1X really is? And what does it do really well? And kind of where does it fit in? I think it's an excellent airplane for people who do want to do some mild aerobatics uh, and, and Sunday flyers, you know, fairly long distance flying in the thing is not. It's not its forte. There's not much room in it. It is faster. There's no doubt about it. But if you do fly long distance, you you have to have, you really ha would have to have two axis autopilot or else it just wears you out because you've got to fly it all the time. Um, but if someone does local flying or really likes aerobatics, it's, it's a great airplane for that. Hmm. Plus the fact the wings fold up. So that makes really, it, it helps a lot on the ground with uh, where you keep it. Yeah, well, that was a big advertised selling point behind it. And uh, do you find yourself using the folding wings? I do because I have both planes and a lot of other junk in my hangar. Without the folding wings, I couldn't get them both in. Okay, how do you do that? Do you fold both wings up and stick it on the side, or do you one wing? Or I do both wings. It's so it's so easy. 
you just uh, you pull over the the uh, the locking pin and pull the handle and that pulls the pins out. You go over pick up the wingtip and that's it. It takes maybe 20 seconds or 30 seconds to fold up a wing. Uh, putting them down uh, is a is a little bit trickier, but not much. It's almost as fast. Hmm. Okay. And it nestles in there real nicely with your other airplane, then, huh? It does because it suddenly instead of being you know, 20 foot or 18 foot wide, it's, it's only eight feet wide. Yeah. So Gary, um, I, I don't know if you've had a chance to fly a one X or not, but, um, did, uh, did the one X ever tempt you as another building project? Uh, unfortunately I haven't had a chance to fly one, but I certainly would like to be able to fly one if someone's gracious enough to offer to me. You know, it does tempt me at times, uh, even, I mean, I'm always thinking about another build, as you, as you probably know. I'm sure you do the same as, as well. And I just bought a second hanger. It does have a little bit of extra room in the back. And <laughs> there, there are some times I'm sitting there looking at that empty space, uh, and I'm kind of thinking, hmm, could I fold up something and stick it back there? So, yeah, Winx does cross my mind every once in a while. Uh, Gary, we're going to, yeah, no, we're, we're going to get one. Come on, and we're going to put it in your hanger. Or mine. First, I've heard about that. <laughs> there you go. I mean, if you guys share the expense on a one X, uh, I can't get any cheaper than that. Mm, you know what? You can get three of us, but yeah, but yeah, I, but yeah. I, I do think about it every once in a while. I actually thought about it uh, occasionally over the last several years. To be honest about it, hmm. I, I think you're right. I think that uh, Vince is right. I would suspect that the roll rate is increased, that the aerobatic capability would be increased because of the shorter wingspan. And so it would have a tendency to, to really pivot around the CG quite a bit better. Uh, I certainly understand when he talks about uh, needing uh, access control and autopilots on long cross country. And I think that pretty much is probably uh, applicable, probably to all the light sports that I've been involved with so forth. So I, I certainly put dual access autopilot in my Zenith, and I'm glad I did. Um, you're right. If you're, in, if you're really particularly an IFR, it would be a real handful after about 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, trying to maintain all your limits and, and requirements that you need to without some assistance. So uh, I kind of agree with you, Vince, on that part of it. I, I think that flying IFR, I don't I don't fly IFR, but I think trying to fly IFR in a 1X would be a real challenge. Yeah, I think so. Generally, all the light sports. But yeah, I can see that, again, the more maneuverable it is, the less controllable it is. So there, there's always a trade-off. Well, I think we're kind of on the cusp of a change in the way people are viewing avionics. And uh, maybe a good parallel would be um, aircraft comm radios. So you can still get a handheld radio and Velcro it to your panel and use a rubber ducky antenna or jack it into a fixed-mounted antenna. That's certainly a viable option. But as panel-mounted radios get easier and better and more capable and cheaper, people are starting to think, you know, I don't really want to do that. I want to take advantage of the technology and just make my life easier and better. And autopilots are in that same category. It's no longer an expensive frill that is kind of for the big boys. They're becoming cheaper and easier to integrate. They work right with your EFIS and driven right off the same software now. And so now it's kind of like, well, yeah, it's not that much more money, and I could take advantage of those capabilities. And I think that from this point on, we're going to see that become more and more. And, you know, just like still you can find people that are using handheld radios, but it's becoming very rare. Well, I think in 10 years or whatever, you're going to find that, yeah, there are people that don't have autopilots built in with their EFIS, but that's becoming more and more rare. It's not, it's not a significant leap. There's also a, a true track system that they've got for a few airplanes uh, that uses a servo that's mounted in the control surface. And uh, that's 
they're to GPS slaved and all sorts of things, but they don't have them available for, for many airplanes. Yeah, it's been kind of slow in the release of that, but uh, yeah. you're right, that's another option. But anyway, back to this, back to the One X. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, Vince, why don't you tell us about your particular airplane? So give us all the, the critical stats on it, um, how <laughs> you've configured it, uh, all the unique features, customizations, uh, and we'll get into some performance numbers. Just give us the good rundown on your plane. Uh, when I when I bought it, it had a basic, basic panel with Dynon D180 and uh, 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 small radio. I can't remember that small round radio. Can't remember the, the name of the thing. And so, um, and it also had the single axis autopilot in it um, for for heading roll control. When I decided to to go to fly to Oshkosh, I just it realized it had kind of short legs, so I designed a, a seat back tank that uh, holds six and a half or seven gallons and um, put that in. I didn't have a transponder, so I put a transponder in. The transponder ends up mounted beside me because there's no room in the panel for anything like that unless you buy one of those little, fairly expensive little round ones. Um, uh, the tank is, uh, like I said, is six or seven gallons, and I can pump that into the main tank. We did a weight and balance on the thing with fuel, or various fuel uh, configurations, and because of the jab heavier Jabiru engine in the nose, it never, we never had an AFCG problem with it uh, in most any fuel configuration. Uh, I also put in a, 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 I carry a handheld as a backup radio because I had the radio in my Sonics die once. And I found out that when you're in the air, the rubber ducky antenna really doesn't work all that well. So I have a, I have a, a secondary antenna for that, for, for the handheld, which I put in. I'm trying to think, I, I also, um, design and build a smoke system. I have a smoke system, a little portable smoke system in the thing. And I guess that's about it uh, as far as all the things that are in it. I just put, I just put gap seals on the rudder just to see because I've, I've read that that's, that helps with, with uh, yaw, with directional you know, stability. Yeah. I haven't really had a chance to fly it much yet to, to, uh, to determine that if that's really working. Uh -huh. Okay. And what did your, uh, your final weight end up at? Uh, I'm at around um, 600 and, 658 pounds, I think. It's heavy. It's okay. Heavy. On, on the 1X. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I just did a quick search um, on what I could find on Sonics Builders, and I found, um, I don't know, four or five different responses. And it seemed like the average weight was around 620. So it looks like yes. you, you are indeed a bit over that. But again, these are other 1Xs with Aero V engines. And, um, and some of the other additional gear you added. So e even uh, accounting for the fact that you're 20 or 30 or maybe even 40 pounds heavier, um, do you think that – does it have a feel like you're starting to get too heavy or does it feel like it handles your, your weight without any problem? The only time, as I mentioned earlier, that I found that that was any case was when I got up fairly high, you know, like, like 10,000, 11,000 feet. It, 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 gets a little, it gets a little sluggish. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I've heard that before that, um, the wing on the one X just starts to kind of peter out, you know, above 10,000 feet. The Sonics is, will keep going. And I've had it, I've had it up significantly higher than that myself. Um, I think that's just an inherent characteristic of the, the way the wing is designed on the one X. Well, yeah, it's a smaller wing also. Yeah. It's just shorter. Yeah. It's going to make, it's going to make a difference. Yeah. 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 
The, the thing about being a little overweight, I, I did the calculations for, for stall speed and things like that. It didn't raise it significantly. And because it's a six-year plane all the way up to 950 pounds, if you are if you if you come in 50 pounds overweight, now you're a 5.5 G airplane. So you're still in pretty good shape. Yeah. And, you know, I think we all can agree, you know, lighter airplanes are better and that's what you should all strive for. But I hate to start using terms like overweight when we're talking about 20 or 25 or 30 pounds, 40 pounds even. Um, you know, that's the difference between a, a skinny passenger and a heavy passenger. You know, so that's still within this the normal operational range of weights that you're going to see just on any given day. So I hate to use that term overweight. Yeah, and I've always been an advocate too. You know, a few extra pounds for a few luxuries is, is well worth the trade-off. Yeah, I think more importantly is um, what you talked about, Vince, with your CG. Uh, your CG needs to be in a range that is useful. And if you constantly have to make sacrifices on how you load the airplane because your CG is too far one way or the other, uh, that's no good. You don't want to live with that. You want to have it where you can pile it up with however, and your CG is going to be fine. And it sounds like you got that. Yeah, it is. It is. We we, I didn't have a problem with it going out of out of CG. Um, um, so you know, with 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 any the configurations that I loaded it in. Yeah, it'd be interesting to talk to some of the Aero V powered One X owners and find out if they have a, a situation where they might go uh, a little aft in their CG range. I don't know if that's a problem or not. It's a question I guess I'll have to ask. Yeah, of course that's the worst case. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, Going to your engine installation. So, um, like you alluded to in the beginning, there really is no Jabiru firewall forward engine mount installation instructions on the One X. So you really have to craft that all yourself. And Merle did all the heavy lifting on that. But when you got it, it was still relatively low hours. So tell us kind of what he did and then how you further refined the whole process. Um, when I got it, it had 38 hours on it, so I had to fly off the, the rest of the 40 hours before I could leave town. It was pretty much complete. I flew it as he built it for quite a while. I did have some problems with um, with uh, um, CHTs, and it turned out that the, the inlet-outlet ratio wasn't really quite right. The, you know, the air inlet, air outlet for the cowling. That's and I had that same problem with my with my Sonex. I I ended up putting in manometers in the engine and flying it to see what the pressure was and the and the pressure differential across the engine was in both cases the Sonex and the One X was just not high enough uh, because the outlets were too small. So I increased the size of the outlets. Also in in the One uh, X, there's no place where you can mount an oil cooler like you can in a Sonex. So it has a, a scoop that's in one of the inlets with a piece of scat tube that goes down to a little manifold where the oil cooler is. And Merle had used some tubing that he had, and it turns out it was too small. I, and I changed that out. I think he had two-inch tubing, and I changed it out to, to four-inch tubing, and three-and-a-half or something like that. In any case, that dropped the oil temperature um, down quite a bit. And sort of as an aside, I also found out with the, with that with the One X that you have to be careful how much oil you put in them because if you actually fill them up to the its full mark, it'll foam on you and drive your oil temperatures crazy. Yeah, and that's a common problem I think Jabiru's all the way around. The manual even talks about that. 
Um, yeah. you know, don't fill it to the very brim. Otherwise you'll have that problem. It can be a little yeah. disconcerting when you see your oil temp climbing up to where it's not normally, uh, running. You think I've got a serious problem when really all it is, yeah. is, you know, you've got an oil frothing problem and after it pukes a little bit out, you're going to be okay. Yep. So those are some of the changes that I, that I had, to, that I made on the, on the thing. Um, uh, other than that, I didn't do a whole lot uh, other than the later modifications, adding the, the, the extra fuel tank and, and transponder and some things like that. Yeah. Um, now talking about your engine baffling, um, do you use a, a built up box baffle kind of like the Sonics uh, uses? Or do you use a, an upper pressure plenum like the Aero V uses? You know, how did you end up doing that? It's uh, it's it's got an upper pr- uh, uh, like a big shelf. I mean, it's uh, upper pressure. The the whole top of the engine is a big plenum. Okay, and then feeds down through. Um, then it has little. It has blast tubes built in that go back to the to various like. Uh, uh, ignition components and things like that because there's some problems with some of those and they're all they're all on the back side of the engine another problem that uh, i had with the with the one x is on a really hot day if you land and you're going to be on the ground for less than say half an hour you have to open up the oil fill if you don't the engine compartment gets hot and and it will it will vapor lock um when you when you take off which is which is it's not it just it's a momentary thing but it isn't something you really want to happen yeah and that is a common problem uh, other people have experienced also this uh, all yep. that heat underneath the cowl starts to soak into everything including your fuel lines and your gas heats up and uh, that can yep. be tough yeah so insulating your lines and keeping your routing direct and yep. you know all that is important and just opening up that little the little flap for the oil fill uh, helps a great deal because the little chimney effect the other thing is that neither of my, uh, my Sonex or my One X have uh, carb heat. And uh, the reason that, that Merle always said, ah, the carburetor is at the back of the engine. That's the hot section. You never get, you never get carb ice. I did actually get carb ice once in the One X at altitude. And uh, um, so I can say that, yeah, well, it can happen. <laughs> now, tell me a little more about that. Like, what, what did you notice and how did you determine it was carb ice? I, I, I'm quite sure it was, but I was flying it at about 10,000 or so feet, and it was kind of wispy clouds, and I was dodging around them a little bit, and I flew through the edge of a wispy cloud, and I noticed that, I don't remember what the temperatures were, but they were down a bit, and and the engine stumbled a lot at that oh. point, and um, so I, I went to full throttle, and, and, it, and it cleared, and it was okay, so I assumed it was it was some quick, some carbides. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't see like the classic, you know, slowly dropping RPM and all that, you, nope. but it, you had an immediate effect. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. And you're using the, uh, the aero carb aero injector. Uh, no, that one has a Rotec in it. The Rotec throttle body. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, that is, it's a new one because I had to replace it at Oshkosh on the way into Oshkosh. Um, my uh, suddenly my engine wouldn't run below about 1800 rpm and uh that made that made maneuvering around in the oshkosh traffic rather interesting so i i I replaced the carburetor in the you know in the grass there and uh it's it has run fine since but what i think happened is i think i had a diaphragm a broken diaphragm 
Yeah. Now, John, you had some experience with the Rotac uh, throttle body, and I think your problems were related to the diaphragm as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I had the Rotec. I put 60-some hours on it. Uh, it put me into a, uh, in a farmer's field. And uh, because the uh, diaphragm shut off the, the uh, fuel flow to the carburetor, I pulled it off, went back to my aerocarb, and uh, I won't sell that uh, Rotec to a good friend. I won't send it, sell, sell it to an enemy. It's just not safe. I, I have an Ellison on on the uh, on the Sonex. So. I think John said he was going to give me that. Now I think I know why. <laughs> I was yeah. going to give it to you, Gary, but then I said I can't sleep at night knowing that you're going to go down in a field again. Mm. You already done that once. I know. Well, and I want to be real careful here. Um, any any device can have its issues. I think we're starting to understand that. If the Rotec throttle body has an Achilles heel, it is a malfunction of the diaphragm. Now, what do we do about that? Well, upgrading to the latest and greatest diagram from Rotec is probably, you know, the number one thing you need to do. But beyond that, I'm not sure we really have a good handle on the factors that cause that diaphragm to start having problems. And it'd be real interesting to find out maybe what leads to that and how you might recognize it before it has a, a you know, a stoppage. Well, we're kind of getting sidetracked here a little bit, though, guys. Yeah, that's true. So we'll uh, we'll put aside the whole Rotac uh, issue for later. Um, <laughs> but I, I just want to be clear we're not we're not bagging yeah. on the Rotac throttle body. It's just um, it's just something that crosses you know the discussion. Okay, so the last thing about your firewall forward was um, the engine mount. So Sonic sells engine mounts for the One X. That really is your only choice is tail dragger or a tri-gear they're all for the aero v and so if you were going to put something other like a, a ul power or a jabru or whatever you want to put or i think there's even a viking that's been installed on a on a one x you have to create that engine mount on your own and um so i know merle fabricated that engine mount but vince how big of a job is that did what, what do you think i think for I think it would be a really daunting task for somebody who hadn't done something like that before. Merle has probably built 15 airplanes total over, over the years. Uh, I think he's on his sixth or seventh Sonex product right now. Well, so what he did was he just hung the engine in the air where, you know, in, where, where it needs, needed to be and kind of built a motor mount between it and the firewall. Um, I love <laughs> yeah, basically, and and it uh, uh, he did a really good job because I, I guess I can throw this in. This is a good time to throw it in. I had an incident uh, a few days ago, and I folded up the nose gear, and it bent the nose gear ninety degrees, whatever. But it didn't damage the um, the uh, motor mount or the or the or the uh, uh, nose wheel mount at all. So it, he did a very good job building the thing. So when it folded, the the gear leg itself bent, and it didn't do any damage to the socket on the engine mount. Nope. Hmm. Well, you're going to have to tell us the story. So, how did you fold over your nose gear? Um. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> lots of focus, I think. I I was landing, and i I ran out of I ran out of airspeed before I could before I could flare and and kill off the sink rate, and I hit really hard. And it launched me, and it kind of and it came down on the nose gear. 
Uh, okay, so high high rate of sync, bounce, and then yeah. nose gear contact first. Gear. Yeah, okay. And then I so I got into the throttle and went around. And when I landed, uh, it was a really good landing. Uh, mains hit really nice. As soon as the nose wheel touched, I departed the runway because <laughs> it was obviously bent already. Okay, yeah. Did you, uh, did you damage your engine at all, or um, or no. was it still lifting you up? Were you, the prop never contacted anything? Uh, it, it took the tips off the prop. According to the Jabiru manual, if you take off less than 100 millimeters of each tip, you don't have to do a teardown, and I'm in that category, so I looked, I looked out there. I do a run out check on the on the flange, prop flange, and change the bolts. Hmm. Okay. The cowl's kind of scraped up, and that's you know, pretty much it. Yeah, I think uh, I think you may have gotten away very lucky on that. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those. You know, I've landed that airplane, I don't know, a couple hundred times, and um, it's just one of those one of those momentary lapse things. Yeah. Now you said that the flaps. Uh, are are fairly small uh, are they not very effective and if that's the case you know how do you find yourself in a high rate of sync situation they they aren't particularly they aren't particularly effective compared to the sonics the sonics flaps are probably three times the area yeah so it's a it's a big difference and a high rate of sync turns out that you're getting slow and and you know that's what happens Okay. Um, yeah. So Vince, yes. When you deploy your flaps, do you, do you get the pitch forward? So you get the indicate an indication not, that you've increased your your lift component, but not your drag. Uh, you well, if you've increased the lift with the flaps, you've increased the drag. There's no doubt about that. Uh, that well, sort of goes together, but it's nowhere near the the pitch the pitching moment you get with the Sonics. They're so much smaller that but you still get it. And um, Vince, maybe just I'm, I'm unfamiliar with the flap setting. Does uh, do you have you know like one or two or three notches of flaps, or is it infinitely adjustable, or how does that work on a one X? I have manual ones, so and there's two there's two two notches. Okay, so like partial flaps and full flaps. Yeah. Okay. In my Sonics, the first notch of flaps, you know, half flaps, call it, seems to produce. Uh, you know, more lift than drag, and the second notch reverses that, gives you more drag than lift, and that's kind of yeah. the way I use it. Is is that the same type of pattern in the one X? Uh, the one X is is pretty much. I'm trying to think now. I think it just has flaps or no flaps. I don't. I don't. I think he's got it. Say it was set up with just. There's not a. There's not an intermediate setting. Okay, so either flaps up or flaps down. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I guess that. That's makes sense. what I was trying to get at, Jeff. Is 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 how much of a pitch change he was getting to the various settings. So if he's only got one, we may not be able to discern it. Yeah, you you do get a pitch change though, like I said, but it's nowhere near like uh, like it is with a Sonic. Yeah. Okay. And um, you know, just from my own perspective, um, I make landings with no flaps occasionally, and I do them at half flaps and full flaps, just because I want to be prepared for any any setting. But what I find is that, you know, a no flap landing, um, it really does feel a little different and you kind of got to work just a little bit harder. Putting the flaps down, um, really makes the landing process easier. It's easier to, you know, set up a steep approach and all that. So for me personally, uh, if I have a choice, I'm going to land with flaps. And how does that feel in the one X? I've never landed with no flaps in the one X. So I can't, I can't really, (laughs) I didn't just, I never have. 
Okay, well, that must mean you like the flaps then. <laughs> yeah. I'll say one thing, though. If you have to do a go-around, you need to get them out real quick because it, it climbs a whole lot better with no flaps. Oh, okay. Yeah. How about crosswind landings? How does the 1X handle? Uh, what's the most you've ever landed in a crosswind component? You know, I, you know, miles per hour, I don't really know. I have landed crosswind in the thing, and I don't find it particularly a problem with either plane. Um, I, being a being a nose gear plane, it helps a lot. Uh, but um, I, 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 I haven't ever really pushed the limits on that, so I can't really tell you, uh, you know, where where that gets to be a real problem because I haven't gotten there. But it's it's not so delicate that you look at the windsock and think, oh, geez, I'm not flying the 1X today, huh? Normally, no. No, unless it's just howling and then I, yeah. you know. Well, that's good. Uh, I'm curious about, well, runway requirements. Now, I'm not suggesting that, you know, uh, the runway is not suitable for a 1X, but compared to the Sonics, does it have similar takeoff and, and climb out capabilities or is it better at that? Or what's your uh, what's your comparison there? I would say that the that the um, the the one X accelerates a little better because it's a little lighter and has the same engine, so it accelerates a little better. The the the, the rotation takeoff speeds are about the they're very similar. So the one X probably takes off takes off um, um, certainly in no more no more runway length than than the Son X and maybe less. Depends on how I'm loaded. If I, you know, if I don't have much in the plane, much fuel, why it gets off pretty quick. Um, the, um, there because of the because of the, the Jabiru engine, both planes, both Sonics and the One X, they accelerate really, really rapidly. Okay, so you you take off and you do a normal, you know, whatever it is, five hundred foot ground roll. You you uh, you rotate, you lift off, and then. As you're climbing out, what's a typical climb out look like for you? What, what's your climb airspeed and what kind of rate of climb are you getting? Um, I'm trying to think right now. I usually climb out at 80 to 90. And um, ooh, I'm trying to think, maybe 800 or 1,000 feet a minute. Okay. So those are numbers that are very similar to what you'll see in a Sonics. It's, it is similar. Yeah. And then uh, when you're coming in, uh, do you find that you can make those steeper approaches uh, whenever you need to, or does it feel like it has a flatter approach angle? Um, it's it, it, I have to watch the speed because it it uh, it um, it's even with because of the little flaps, it doesn't it doesn't burn off speed as fast as the as the Sonex does, and. Uh, so when I turn on final, I have to be careful that I don't pick up speed. You know, I, you know, it's a, it's a, um, you know, that, 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 um, I mean, what I'm saying is it doesn't slow down real well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vince, what is your typical density altitude? Here? Oh, anywhere between, uh, minus a hundred and plus 500. We're at we're at a hundred we're at one hundred and eighty feet. Okay, so basically sea level. Yeah, we're sea level here. And going back to Oshkosh, I landed at some pretty high places during the summer, pretty hot, and uh, it it seemed to do all right. There was a couple of times where where 
it took a long time, you know, it took a lot longer to get off the ground, but um, it wasn't, it wasn't a worrisome thing. Yeah. Well, and that's good. Um, you know, you never feel like you're out of performance and, um, you know, it's going to leave you in a jam, I suppose. I, I, I would have to say the, the extra 35 horsepower or so that, that you get with the Jabru was very useful in some places in Montana and Wyoming and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, Gary, I was just thinking back to, um, you know, talking about approaches. Uh, th- that's always a really hard conversation to have because, you know, pilot technique plays such a big factor. And, and I, I just think back to watching you land your Sonics and you would always come in amazingly slow, plop that thing down on the numbers and, and turn off before the, you know, the first runway stripe. And uh, I'm thinking, man, how does he do that? Well, it, technique is important and I'm sure it is in the 1X as well. Oh, sure. It's like that with every aircraft. Absolutely. Um, so Vince, uh, when you're just out goofing off, just flying around the local area, having fun, what are your typical performance numbers? You know, what are you cruising at? What kind of fuel burn are you getting? And then, uh, I, I'm just kind of curious how that stacks up against a Sonics doing the same mission. Um, typically it's, um, the, the one X is about, um, 10, 15 miles an hour faster than the Sonics. So, so if I'm just up in the Sonics messing around, why, and, you know, going from going for the hundred dollar hamburger or something like that, I'm going to be at 130, 135 miles an hour or something like that at lower altitudes. Whereas in the, in the, in the one X, I'm going to be 145 or so. And you're talking uh, true or indicated. That's indicated. Okay. Then it bit up high, up high. Um, I was seeing, when I was flying to Oshkosh, when I was up at 10, 10,000 feet or something like that, you know, 8,000, say 8,000 feet, I was seeing 165, 170, 175 sometimes. And uh, when you are cruising, like on a cross country like that, uh, what do you normally set your cruise RPM at? 2850. Okay. Yeah. So you're not really flogging it, you know, no. that's, that's a normal cruise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. You know, you're getting some good speed out of that airplane. And fuel burn up at altitude, everything, it'll yeah, be in the fives. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, that just kind of goes to show again, the engine is unloaded and and um, you got it lean back. So, yeah, excellent. Yeah. You could almost give John a run for the money. In what? <laughs> well, he's got his, uh, you know, his world's fastest YX, and so he can pretty uh, much outrun anybody. Of course, that is so oh, claimed. Yeah, every time I fly uh, in formation with another Sonics, I'm definitely two or three hundred RPM below they are um, reporting, and Michael verified that. <laughs> That's because, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> Mike is just not as competitive. You know, he, he doesn't have the uh, you know do whatever it takes to win attitude. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> You would have been very frustrated in the, if you'd entered the Air Venture Cup race then. Yeah, well, I, that, that's a good segue. So, Vince, tell us yeah. about you, you flew in the Air Venture Cup race in 2018. So, tell us about it. Yeah, I did. I, I saw an ad for it, and and so I decided to do it. Got everybody's permission, my insurance company, and, and my my ever forgiving wife, and um, flew off to Mitchell, South Dakota, which is 
a long ways away and uh, entered the race. But unfortunately, they put me in with Mustangs and um, Berries or something like that in the out. And they kind of ran away and hit on me. That's not quite fair, is it, Vince? No, it wouldn't seem like it. But I don't yeah. know, somehow that, that I seemed they thought I fit in there. I was the only Sonex to show up or to ever have shown up. Uh, so they didn't quite know what to do with it. You'd think maybe so, they'd, they'd put you in a light sport, you know, eligible category instead of, you know, something with big, faster, heavier airplanes. Yeah. So, but it, it turned out that we had a, a really brisk, I don't know, 20 mile an hour or something like that, 25 mile an hour headwinds at all altitudes. So it didn't depend what altitude you flew at, you're going to fly into headwinds. So I ended up averaging 135 miles an hour uh, in, in, the, in the race. But... Uh, I finished, and uh, it was it was very interesting. There was about fifty-five or so people in the race. Everything from a PT twenty-two or an, and a Cub up to somebody in a Turbine Legend. So it was quite a quite a mix of airplanes. Hmm. Any tips that come to mind if something somebody was thinking about doing that themselves? Yeah, I I, I maybe if you had a Sonex, they'd put you in a different class. Being a two-place airplane or something like that, they probably stick in with the RVs though or something. So I don't, they don't quite know what to do with it. When you think about it, there's really not a lot of airplanes that um, in, in that class, you know, in that same category as the Sonics or a One X even. Yeah. Now a really light, a really light One X with real attention paid to, to you know, speed, uh, speed things. You might get up where you were where you were trying to be competitive with some of the faster guys. Hmm. Well, it sounds like a fun experience, uh, even if there are some challenges in trying to fit into a category. All right. Well, Vince, what is next for you? Um, Next, I don't know. I think I've got two airplanes. I don't really need two. I think I'm going to sell one. Um, Originally, I was going to sell the Sonics, but I think I've decided to sell the One X. Mainly because uh, if you're going to go any cross country at all, the 1X is not the plane to do it in. And um, so I think that's, I think I will probably end up keeping the, keeping the Sonex. 1X has been really a fun airplane to, to fly, no doubt about it. But um, um, unlike a lot of people on this field, it's hard to justify more than one airplane. Yeah. Well, we've talked about this before and, Having two I know seats. What you're going to say, Jeff. Mission, uh, mission, mission. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I I'm going to say that, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> but if you if you have a Sonics and your mission, <laughs> Gary, is to fly around your local area, give an occasional ride to someone where you can scooch over, you know, out of the center, over to the side, take an occasional ride, and uh, you know, once or twice do a uh, a medium length cross country, you know, go into a fly in or something like that. The Sonics is just a wonderful match for that because you can do all those things and you still get good utility. You can take that passenger, you can scrunch over and make it work. Even on a, a lower powered airplane, oftentimes you can still do all that. And and then when you want to go cross country, you have plenty of room for your beer cooler and your uh, in-flight Cheetos and all that. We've talked all about that. And so that's a that's a really good match. But if you're if you're looking for that fun around the airport, go out and terrorize the neighborhood – uh, I think that would just be a really, really perfect match for what the One X uh, kind of fits in. So, as a second airplane to complement another sort of more utility-focused airplane, I think the One X would be a really, really great addition. 
particularly for someone who did aerobatics. Yeah. Okay, Gary. So I know I'm a broken record, but I'm, I'm a victim of my own circumstances. So there it is. Well, no, and, and in all honesty, you're, you're right, Jeff. It's always good to try to define your mission. But as I said, too, sometimes that just changes over time. Yeah. Just like my looks, it just gets better and better over time. Well, you know, some of us don't have that problem, Gary. So just be thankful that you do. <laughs> Gary, you have your cross-country IFR full, you know, hanging your butt in a really comfortable seat, lots yeah. of useful load aircraft. And you don't do any aerobatics anymore, so you need a 1X, and you need a partner in a 1X. Or I need to come down and steal a YX for a period of time. <laughs> well, that'll happen, um, I'm sure. But then you won't give me the, you know, the old beast, the phoenix, <laughs> to go take into the backcountry. One never knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there may be some uh, some really good uh, 1X airplanes built, ready to fly, that are, are hitting the market soon. So, who knows? I'm hearing uh, about one that might be a Jabiru 3300. It could be a hoot. Up here in Colorado, <laughs> mm. yeah, that'd be a good, good, good uh, high altitude airport uh, airplane. I, uh, um, better than with a, with the uh, AeroV, that's for sure. Now, did you put the wing extensions on, or is it the uh, the short clipped wing version? They have it has the wing extensions. Okay, well, they they can come off, can't they? Yeah, that's fiberglass. Yeah, I'd want to pull those things off so you can really snap them rolls around. Oh yeah, we 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 we've got to just get this thing hot, hot, hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need to pull everything out except for the smoke system then. Oh oh no, smoke system's got to stay. I said pull everything out except for that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Now you can build your own. Uh, that smoke system is a, I don't know if you, there's a Kit Planes article that I wrote recently on how to build it. Sweet. Yeah, uh, Vince, has that hit the streets yet, or is that on a future? Yeah, it's in July. Okay. It's in the July issue. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So people may have already gotten a look at that article then, just recently. Yeah. I'll have to look for it. I may have the magazine already. Good, good. And, um, you know, my smoke system, I, I need to pay some attention to it. You know, my biggest problem is that my injectors are right by the tailpipe. And so the smoke is not sitting in the exhaust pipe long enough to get really hot. So I really need to move those things further upstream and, and uh, soak up some more heat and get that air show quality smoke that I don't have right now. Well, minimum of minimum with that. Jonathan's got the end all smoke system if I've ever seen. Yeah, actually, um, his is works really, really well because he injects it upstream of his muffler in the Rotax. And that muffler is a big old can just soaking up all kinds of heat. And so it works perfectly. Yeah, the, with, with straight pipes, like my both my planes have straight pipes, the injection should be at least 12 inches from the end of the pipe. Now, you just inject it into one of the pipes. And does that cause any problem? Both. I you put inject, it in both. No, I mean... I. Um, upstream of the three into one collector in one of the cylinders, right? No, no, downstream of the three to one, just oh, downstream. Okay. okay, in both in both uh, both sides. Okay, yeah, because mine is um, is close to the the three into one collector. It's close to that joint already. Um, I, it's really short, and so um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe we have different style of exhaust. 
Yeah, it could be. Hmm. Well, I got some I more playing think, with it to do. I don't think you'd have any performance degradation, uh, Jeff, if you went more proximal to the engine. I, yeah, it's, I was kind of hoping that was the case, but I just, um, you know, with engines being finicky little beasts, I didn't know if maybe that was going to be a problem. I just drill a hole. You can always weld it over. <laughs> I've got a big old tube of JB weld. That'll be fine. That'll be Yeah, absolutely. Get that drill out. <laughs> yeah, re- read the article. It also tells you how to do it without drilling a hole. Really? Hmm. Well, that yeah, does sound yeah, intriguing. Really. Yeah. No, it's more fun to drill holes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Vince. Well, um, why don't you give us some final sort of conclusion, summary thoughts, and... Uh, and leave us with, um, you know, you've had the plane now for several years. You've got several good experiences with it. Uh, give us your final impressions of, of the 1X and, and uh, let's wrap it up that way. Okay. Having owned, I own, since I own both of them, I can compare them. Uh, the, the, the 1X is an excellent airplane for somebody who, like you said, just flies pretty much locally and wants to um, do Wifferdales in the sky. That's a big. That's a big factor, and of course, doesn't need to take anybody with them. Uh, it, it, you can't really carry much in it. So you, if you go somewhere, you can't carry. You can't. You can't carry any luggage. Um, and if you go anywhere, you really need autopilot because you have to fly it every every minute. Um, so from that standpoint, it's a really good airplane for, like I said, local local flying. Um, I, um, the Sonex is a better, is a better choice for if you want to go somewhere or take somebody with you, of course. Having two airplanes, I don't, I, I don't fly, I don't fly enough as is. And so when I have two of them, I don't fly even, I fly each one even less. So that's, that's kind of a problem. So, um, I think it's better to have, you know, a main airplane that you fly more because I think that helps with, with proficiency. Vince, I think you're looking at that wrong. If I had two airplanes, that just means I got to fly more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I, I. The problem is, I end. I'm a builder, and I end up building things more. Particularly since I moved to the air park, I make parts for people. I have a machine shop, and I make parts for people. And I'm working on several different other projects. I probably fly less since I moved here to the air park than before I moved here. There's something wrong with that, isn't there, guys? Well, yeah, um, but you're probably, uh, you know, making some really, really good uh, friends and, and contacts in the community. So that that's kind of cool, too. Yeah, yeah, your beer cooler should be pretty well full. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't, I don't want to spoil the surprise, but uh, Vince did tell me uh, before when we were talking that he is going to be in the Innovations Pavilion at AirVenture this year uh, talking about a new project that he's involved with. So I'll just leave it as a teaser. Come on by the Innovations Pavilion and come look up Vince and find out all about it. We'll do yep. that. We'll give you a three-color brochure explaining it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, Vince, uh, I, I think that you know, that's good. Um, the only 1X that I've really kind of seriously sat in, other than the factory plane where I hopped in and out, was uh, Frank Klimek, um down at the Midwest Sonics Fly-In in, um, in Arkansas. And I climbed in, I kind of tried it on. Uh, it just has a great feel. Just, you know, as sporty as the Sonics is when you when you jump in and kind of, you know, get nestled in, the 1X is even more sporty. And it just has a just a wonderful ergonomic feel to it. And you just, I think you can't help but get out there and just maneuver it around the sky. Whether you're doing Acro or not, you just really want to get out there and fly it. And so I think it, this looks like a super cool, fun plane to go out there and enjoy a Saturday with. 
I, I would agree with that. It's very different than the Sonics. You kind of wear the One X. I've heard that expression before, but but it's it's uh, it's it's sort of like a it's, it's sort of like a like a nice nice fitting coat. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to go out and do acro in your Sonics, the first thing you have to do is sanitize the cockpit of all the stuff that'll fly around. So in the One X, you don't <laughs> have as much of a problem because there's not as much stuff laying around. That's correct. <laughs> All right, uh, John. What do you think? Uh, you think a one X uh, would uh, would fit in in uh, Casa Kelly Air Park? You know, uh, actually, when I got into the whole Sonics thing, I was going for a one X. I sat in the prototype um, during a Sonics build clinic before it was released. They measured it to my dimensions, so I, I believe the Sonics is actually based on my dimensions. Um, or the one X's. And, uh, shortly after that, I came across my way X kit and, and abandoned it. But I love the idea of the folding wings. I love the idea of the mission of just being a single place, uh, aircraft. Um, I think putting a jab 3,300 in that thing or something at least over a hundred horsepower really makes it exciting. Um, I think that they also have to do some uh, – it's kind of an ugly plane with the the standard cow for the Aero-V, but I'm not sure what he's done with with the Jabiru 3300, but uh, I I think I could learn to love it. I love the folding wings, though, because that makes – that opens up a lot of options. The advantage of the uh, the thirty three hundred is that it fits inside the cowl, unlike the Aero V, which sticks out. Yeah, the the cutting the holes in the in the cowl for the the heads to stick out just didn't look right to me. Yeah, well, that that cowling was a compromise. They wanted something that was going to be really easy to fit. You could pull it on and off for for maintenance. And um, as little frontal area as they could get away with, with those valve covers poking out. And uh, it seems a little, a little um, counterintuitive that the Jabiru is is four inches narrower than an Aero V, but that's the way it is. Yep. And I agree, John. I think uh, you could do, you know, maybe a couple of large round inlets and a, a large spinner uh, coming out the front kind of a all a speed cal type look and and that would give it a really aggressive look and that might be an interesting project down the road and, and it's not out of the uh out of the uh, perspective here all right well good deal uh thanks vince i appreciate you running us through your thoughts and your observations i think it's really valuable to have someone who has a a depth to their experience where they can really kind of put it in perspective um talking to a pilot who's only ever flown just that one airplane, their airplane, you know, those it's interesting to hear about, but it, it doesn't have the same impact as someone who's had experiences in lots of different things. So I appreciate your comments and comparison. Anytime. And I look forward to uh, seeing you up at AirVenture. I will definitely come by and look you up in the Innovations Pavilion. And, and um, I'm sure I'll see you at the Sonics, either the homecoming or the party or possibly both. Yeah, I'll check in with the uh, with the Sonex booth over there. Yeah. Well, speaking of AirVenture, uh, it is coming up quick. We're down to just a, a few weeks, and um, I'm really looking forward to the, the 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 party, especially 
but you know, going up and seeing everybody at the homecoming, and uh, you know, walking the line and seeing who who showed up for the first time and their recently completed Sonics. That's always kind of interesting, and maybe we can grab and connect with some of those those new uh, recently completed airplanes. Gary, I'm sure that you've got the plane, uh, you've got it all packed to the gills, and um, a modest supply of in-flight beers to get you there. Uh, just the essentials, just the essentials, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be good. Um, I think that, uh, boy, in no time we're going to be sitting around uh, enjoying the scenery at um, at the uh, SOS Brothers. Absolutely. All right, guys. Hey, thanks again. Uh, Vince, appreciate it. I always enjoy uh, talking to, to people, and, and I will look forward to catching up with you in person at, at Oshkosh. All right. John, Gary, you guys uh, have a great week and and a good flying weekend coming up and uh we'll see you here pretty soon about two weeks all right guys all right we'll see you there all right guys talk to y'all later okay all see right. you. see you there the views and opinions expressed on the sonic Flight podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of any individual company or organization mentioned on this program Nothing presented on this podcast should be construed to be the official position or recommendation of anyone not directly associated with Sonic's Flight. Anything that sounds like advice should be carefully considered before being implemented. Remember, you are the pilot in command. And John Gillis. John is currently converting, and I should say almost done converting, his legacy YX to a new B-model YX. So, John, uh, what's the latest progress? Well, number one, I need to register a complaint that (laughs) Gary gets to go first all the time. And so next time, I want to go first. Okay. Okay. Well, we can fix that right now. So joining me are my two good flying buddies, John (laughs) Gillis and Gary Motley. John is a... What did I say again? Um, John is currently converting his uh, his YX to a B model. John, what? What's the progress? <laughs> <laughs>